What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 45 of the Mendoza Line podcast. My name is Cam, and I am joined all the way across this fine country by the one and only Nicholas Coates. What's up, man? Hey, Cam. Well, here we are. Baseball season is over. You, I expect you to sound far more sad than you do. I'm actually... I am very quite, sad. I know, but you don't sound it, which is... Thank you for for being positive about it, I guess? Well, normally, people, when I'm happy, people say that I'm, I don't sound happy, but I've never been told that when I'm sad that I don't sound sad. But I am sad. It's always... It's always very nostalgic for me when I know the the end of the game is near and that the last pitch could be coming at any moment. And I I remember, you know, going back to that t- this time last year and thinking, oh, it's going to be such a long winter. Can't wait till spring when my team actually has a hope next year. Maybe we won't be terrible. And then <laughs> I had a deja vu moment last night and I'm like wait I'm thinking the same thing but yes it's very bittersweet it's obviously cool to see a a World Series champion crowned congratulations to the Houston Astros who I had faith in much more faith in last year Um, and they had a bit of a down year and I should have stuck with it because they you know pretty consistently uh, we're one of the top teams the whole year, and this was this was a really cool World Series in that I think most people would say these are probably two two of the you know top teams. You could argue that the Indians are in there as well, but the Dodgers and Astros both had outstanding seasons, and yeah, this was a World Series for the ages. Well, to be fair, the Astros didn't have a down year last year; they had like a down first three months. Yes. And the the rest of the year was what they did this year, but they just dug they themselves a such a such a cavernous hole that they, they just couldn't. Mm-hmm. But they just kept on flying this year and um yeah, now this World Series was really good. I think it's only the only downside to it was that last year's World Series was as crazy as it was. And it was tough, the Cubs. Tough to top that one, yeah. Yeah, so I think if this World Series had happened last year, you know, without the Cubs thing happening, it would be the best World Series in recent memory. Um, but, I mean, they, they did everything they could to entertain, and, you know, it was suspenseful, and it was dramatic, and you, you just, it was back and forth. Uh, yeah, and it was a ton of fun. And the only the only downside to the World Series this year, I thought, was the Dodgers just absolutely choked in game seven <laughs> their offense at least yeah you just kept waiting you just kept waiting for them to come back and waiting and then they get three guys on base or two guys on base and yeah they just couldn't do it yeah you texted me and i was i was for sure and you texted me when it was five to nothing and i was like the dodgers are definitely coming back like <laughs> the whole theme of the series is that the second that you felt safe mm-hmm. the, the other team made a huge run and ended up winning the game, it seemed like. so. But yeah, the Dodgers, it's not like they didn't have their chances, because they did. You know, they could argue that they, you know, the Darvish didn't have it, and they probably should have pulled him after the first when it was 2 to nothing. But they let him go out there, and then 
Springer's three-run home run to put him up 5 nothing was really the nail in the coffin because, yeah, the Dodgers didn't really do anything after that. Um, yeah, can we just talk about Springer for a minute? Yeah, what a what a series that guy had. Like, holy, holy cow. Yeah, this is a guy that, keep in mind, he was 0 for 4 with four strikeouts in game one. And he ended up, over the seven-game series, hitting 379 with a 471 on base and slugged 1,000. Had five home runs. Five home runs in five straight games. Yep, seven, seven runs batted in. And uh, most, ba- most bases. Yep, broke the record for total bases in a series. In a World Series. Tied Reggie Jackson for five home runs in a World Series. Uh, Reggie Jackson and somebody else that I can't remember. And I think he was the first player to hit a home run in three road games in a World Series. Yeah. There was, I mean, there was a lot of records broken, not only in this series, but in this postseason. I mean, we yeah. had... Home runs galore. We had the all-time record for home runs in a season, in the regular season, in the playoffs, and in the World Series. So, uh, something... Either all the guys in baseball, uh, all the hitters got better, all the pitchers got worse, or the baseball was different this year. So I'm going to go with the baseball is different. Well, but the other thing, too, is I think like the Astros in the World Series scored, let me do some quick math here, 33 runs. And I think I heard a stat saying that like, of those runs, like, 23 or 24 of them were off of home runs or just like some absurd amount of the runs scored in the world series were off of home runs instead of, you know, RBI singles or doubles mm-hmm. or sacrifice flies or whatever the case may be. And I just find it like very interesting. Like guys were like either striking out, grounding out or hitting home runs. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't a whole lot of, I mean, there obviously were hits and walks and stuff, but the, the ratio of, you know, of home runs to non-home run RBIs was uh, quite bizarre. It did not lack in entertainment value in that in that regard. I think the more casual fan was probably drawn in by the amount of action in this series for sure. It was a, a very interesting series in that regard when you look at game one and you have your two, you know, two ace, yeah, Kershaw and Keuchel on the mound, and Game One, three to one Dodgers ended in two and a half hours, and everyone was commenting on how just insane that was that a postseason game finished that quickly. And really, I mean, the Dodgers had control throughout. Uh, Kershaw just pitched an amazing game. So, you know, I think in baseball, bunny baseball is a funny way of whether it's one game in a series yeah, that starts off or if it's uh, the first couple innings that go quickly, the first time that someone makes a comment of how quickly that went, then you're guaranteed that the rest of the games are going to be much longer and much crazier. So, And that turned out to be the case. Um, you know, I think, I think this was a very evenly matched series, but I think that the Dodgers could have really taken control if they would have won game two. And they had control of game two. Um, you got a lead. You've got your probably, arguably this year, the best closer in baseball on the mound. And he gives up a home run to Marwan Gonzalez. 
opposite field home run that was kind of shocking when it happened. Um, that tied mm-hmm. the game tied the game up in the top of the ninth, and you're just like, that just wasn't the narrative. Like when Dart when Jansen comes in, you're thinking that man, this this is exactly what the Dodgers want. This series, like this, it's two zero now going to Houston. Like the Dodgers have a commanding lead. Marwan Gonzalez hits that home run, and then game two, like the extra innings was just insane. You got Houston scores two in the top of the tenth, then the Dodgers scored score two to tie it in the bottom of the tenth. Then Houston scores two more in the top of the eleventh. Then the Dodgers score another one in the eleventh. Um, but yeah, the the Astros barely hang on, and that really I think swung the series into chaos and gave the the Astros the uh, the opportunity to really take a hold of it. Um, and they did. Yeah, so I, I think there's two pivot points, and I like the uh, the fact that you used the word narrative because I think that Marwin Gonzalez' home run off of Jansen was some serious foreshadowing for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, pivot point number one for sure, game two, because one one and two zero are very di- very different. Um, and then the second pivot point would be game five, when it was all up for grabs for for going up three two in the series what an insane game oh my yeah you texted me you were like this game is insane and i was like yeah like it's i think that the astro or the dodgers are up four nothing and then it was tied and then it was seven to four and then it was seven to seven and that one finished in extras too so yeah, you got so two bellinger games. bellinger hits that three run home run to, to go up seven four and you're like it's over like there's no way and then the same inning Jose Altuve comes up and hits a three-one bomb himself to tie it up at seven. You're just like, "What is going on?" It's seven-seven. Jose Altuve is so good. Seven-seven in the fifth inning, mm-hmm. and at that point, it's like, it's like eleven o'clock on the East Coast, and I'm already exhausted. And I would admit, like, I couldn't stay up. <laughs> so I remember reading texts uh, the, the next morning, and the game ended at one forty in the morning on the East Coast. So. I don't know what baseball, if there's anything baseball can do, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people stayed up, but it's just a bummer that it had to end that late. Well, I think the, the, the issue is because there was a West Coast team in the series. Well, and I'm, I'm an East Coast snob, so I think that it's all about no, me. No, it, it's, not, it's not that, but it's like if it was, if it was you know, uh, the Astros versus the Marlins. That's random. Well, I'm just trying to think of a National League team from the East Coast, and for whatever reason, the Marlins popped into my brain. Uh, the two orange, the two orange teams. Um, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have to, you know, cater to the logistics of hosting games on the West Coast. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But because the team's in LA, and four of the seven games were in Los Angeles, you have to make it feasible for the Los Angeles people to go to the game and to watch it, you know? Mm-hmm. And even at that, even at that, they're starting the games at 520 there. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, really inconvenient. But that's 820 East Coast. So, like, it's just one of the downsides of our country being so, you know, fat. <laughs> yes, that's true. But, yeah, I mean, that game five... So so much to unpack there, but I mean that's another game where the winning run scores off Kinley Jansen. So, and that and that's that's the World Series right there. That game, it probably is. I mean, 
it still sets up well. I mean, the Dodgers could still, they got the last two games at home. Um, I thought if they could beat Verlander in game six, that they would be set up very, very well in game seven. Um, having a, because the Astros would have all the advantages in game six because the Verlander is their best pitcher. And, um, he was, he was amazing. And both of his starts, like he was really solid. Um, but then kind of unraveled a little bit towards the end and gave up the lead. And didn't get much support, especially in game oh, six. Oh, yeah, he did not get much support at all. But um, game six was very well very well pitched in that regard. Um, it was really close throughout. And then, yeah, game seven, just the rough first inning defensively for the Dodgers. The air on Bellinger um, that gave the Astros a 2-0 lead. And then um, Roberts leaving Darvish in a little too long and giving up the uh, the three on homer that put him up five to nothing. So, well, okay, leaving your starter in the second inning doesn't strike me as leaving him in too long. Like I get that it's game seven and every mistake is you know multiplied by like a million, but Darvish at home this season for the Dodgers after they traded for him has been really good. Yeah, but I think the issue was he was really bad in Game 3 as well. And the swings... So the whole issue with... There's a couple interesting narratives, obviously, with the ball, but also there's this story that kind of came out about how a lot of the pitchers were complaining about how the ball was very slick. Like, it was slicker than normal. So players were having a tougher time gripping it, especially when trying to throw a slider, which is one of Darvish's... Uh, out pitches so he was I'm not sure if that was the reason but obviously he is his pitches were not he was not like peak Darvish by any means so yeah I remember sorry well I was just uh, I was watching they're showing the the Springer home run in slow motion and what he threw you could tell like the way that was spinning like you saw the dot and it was a slider but it just did not move like it didn't bite at all and Springer just crushed it. So, I mean, it could he probably could have just hung it, but I, I don't know. That was interesting that that was something from both teams that was noticed and another kind of extra element to this just insane um, World Series. But Yeah, well, two things. One, it, it didn't stop Charlie Morton um, or Brad Peacock. Very true. Uh, but but the, I did notice uh, Kenley Jansen at one point um, got thrown the ball by Austin Barnes and I think he threw three, four or five balls to the sidelines. Just mm-hmm. automatically grabbed it sideline, grabbed it sideline. Just like, no, these are garbage. I don't these are terrible balls. And then I think Darvish did the same thing, but maybe only two or three of them. Uh and that was during game seven where he was just like trying to find something he could work with. Um so it is interesting. I hadn't heard that, but now them getting rid of all of those different baseballs makes more sense. So yeah, I think, you know, for the Dodgers, Jansen not being his dominant self um, really hurt them. But I also think Kershaw Kershaw was uh, staked a, I think it was a 4-0 lead in Game 5, and he wasn't able to hold it. Um, that was another situation where if you're the Dodgers, you have your ace on the mound. I love Kershaw. I, I want him to succeed because he's, I mean, he's just a great person. But it's tough when 
you know, your ace can't hold it. He just, he didn't have his control that day, walked a lot of people. And then the Dodgers bullpen um, just really got, I mean, that was the strength of their team, but they just got overused, I think, in the series and they gave it up. And that was, I think that was another point where the Dodgers could have really taken control and the Astros uh, used it to their advantage. So mm-hmm. Kershaw did, you know, he came in and pitched, I think, four scoreless innings in game seven. So he, you know, he was able to come back and somewhat redeem himself, but it was a little too late at that point. Yeah. I mean, it really, game seven really was a inter- interesting game in the sense that, you know, the Astros get at this monstrous lead. Kershaw comes in and shuts the door. Like, the Astros did nothing the rest of the game. But more importantly, the Dodgers' offense did nothing. They got that one run in, in inning six, and that was it. They left, like, what, 12 guys on base or something crazy like that mm-hmm. throughout the game. They just couldn't get it done when it mattered. And, like, I'm not trying to be a jerk, um, but the thing I said about the Dodgers all season still applies. They either get hurt or they choke. And they choked. Mm-hmm. They had everybody healthy. Kershaw was fine. He pitched great. They had their lineup. And Turner got shut down. Puig didn't do a whole lot. Jock Peterson had himself uh, a postseason. Yeah, he did Jock, great. Jock Peterson did well. Almost didn't make... He did, he, well, I don't think he was in the Division Series roster. Um, That's kind of crazy, but... Uh, Taylor, the center fielder, he had a great series offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just couldn't get it done when it mattered. And that's why in my, you know, predictions, I never picked the Dodgers, even with Kershaw and Darvish and Kenley Jansen and Kenta Maeda. Like, mm-hmm. they have proven to me they just can't get it done. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just calling it like I see it, you know? Yeah, they they definitely are beginning to get that rap for sure. Um, I do want to give credit to the Astros as well because it's not like the Dodgers completely floundered. I mean, the, the Astros had some really impressive performances. and Oh, absolutely. What, you know, the Dodgers, their, their strength was their bullpen and that they... The Astros were able to get to him, and you know the Astros had some concerns there for sure. I think you looked at who Hinch could trust, and it was outside of Davinsky. He couldn't even trust his closer, Giles. He had a terrible, terrible playoffs in general, but definitely a terrible World Series. He he couldn't even trust him to finish. I think any games after uh, Game Two, but um, two of their starting pitchers kind of turned relievers. Um, I thought AJ Hinch did a really good job of managing those guys, uh, Charlie Morton and Brad Peacock. I mean, those were guys Mm -hmm. that, that were started the entire year, but really were, you know, Morton had a, he pitched really, really well in game four. You know, they didn't end up winning that game, but he pitched really well. And then he obviously finished game seven out really in a dominant fashion. He ended up with 10 and a third, uh, innings only gave up two runs, five hits, one walk, eleven strikeouts. So he he was fantastic, and uh, Peacock was able to um, finish off um, the game where I think that was the critical mass of like the Astros really don't have anyone else they could trust at that point, and he was able to to finish off 
um, was it um, game game three to uh, kind of reset the bullpen almost and give uh, Hinch just another option of yeah I can trust this guy he he can get the job done so yeah he Peacock had seven and a third innings only gave up two runs uh, see I'm I'm surprised that that's only the amount of innings he had I felt like he was in all the time. I think it was just those two. He just had, um, he was in four games. So he just had a couple longer appearances, I guess, and a shorter one. But yeah, he, he did well. I mean, Dallas, Dallas Keuchel had a rough series. Kershaw was, you know, average because he had such a bad game five. But, um, yeah, Verlander was dominant outside of, he, he, he gave up some home runs. So he had a 375 ERA, 12 innings, only gave up five hits, but he also gave up five runs, two walks, and 14 strikeouts. So, I mean, all around, you know, I would say that Morton and Peacock were super valuable and difference makers in this series. And, of course, the Verlander trade looks very, very wise at this point because, you know, the Astros pitching staff would, would look much different if he wasn't able to provide the innings they did. You'd probably have to start a Morton or a Peacock in those games instead of having them in the bullpen. So, yeah, it ended up being a great trade uh, for the Astros to get him from the Tigers at the, the August deadline. Yep, I'm happy for him. Very, very happy for him. And now he's going to go marry a supermodel, so, you know, his <laughs> life just really sucks. <laughs> Yeah, he's it's all coming to get him together for him, that's for sure. So offensively, yeah, just some a few noteworthy performances. Obviously George Springer, MVP of the World Series with that performance. Um and then really it was they had an interesting graphic that in the, the losses for Astros when when the Astros lost, basically Correa and Altuve didn't do anything, but what they won when they won, they were basically like the offense. So Altuve only hit 194, which is very, really? very unlike him. I would not have guessed that. But he did, he did slug 450, so he had two, one, yeah. two home runs and two doubles, but he, only had, he was only 6 for 31 in the series. Jeez, uh, it's, it's very interesting how your memory can be so selective, you know? You remember the big hits, yeah. Yeah, I just would have guessed he hit like at least 250, but that's not even close. Yeah, really... I mean, the offensive numbers for some of the runs that were scored, um, you know, you don't, you only had one guy on both teams that hit over 300 in the series. So, Carlos well, Correa. And, and you look at the games that the Astros lost. Game one, they scored one run. Mm-hmm. Game three. Yeah, when they, when they didn't hit, they didn't or sorry, hit. Uh, g- game four, they scored two runs. And game six, they scored one run. So mm-hmm. it was like, it was, it was like feast or famine. It definitely was. So, Correa had a pretty good series, 276. He had a couple home runs. Bregman had a couple home runs, 233. But, yeah, I mean, you look at the Dodgers. Uh, Forsyth um, was their best hitter. He hit 278. But Seager hit 222. Chris Taylor hit 222. He was on base. Uh, he, got, he had four walks, so he, he had a good on-base percentage. Um, but yeah, you got uh, or Austin Barnes, Josh Turner, 
Pascal Puig and Bellinger were all under 200. So, and Bellinger had 17 strikeouts in 29 plate appearances. So oh, man. Very He's trying to be Aaron Judge. Aaron Judgeian of him. So, yeah, I think the uh, two of the Dodgers, yeah, you, Justin Turner needed to be better than 160. Although, I mean, the guy got on, uh, he got, he had four walks. He, he was on th- 323, but that's your number three hitter. Well, so. he got hit, he got hit twice. Too. <laughs> yeah, he got hit twice too. So that didn't, probably didn't feel good. But, um, yeah, we didn't even touch about the, uh, the Guriel thing with Darvish. Uh, that's, I just, like, that was weird. Uh, yeah. And then last night he, like, you know, tipped his hat to him, which is like, Okay, great, but like I just I don't I didn't see it. That was one of yeah, the Yeah, he made some gestures with Yeah, like I know what he did, but I'm just like, why would you do that? So yeah, then he got suspended for five games next year. They didn't su- they, d- okay. they didn't suspend him. Yeah, so That doesn't go. make any sense. If you're gonna suspend him, suspend him. That's what everyone don't, else don't, says. Don't wait until it's a meaningless game in what? May? The rash Part of the rationale from the commissioner was that he didn't feel like it was fair to punish the other 24 players on the team, which that, is weird. How does that punish them? Because, you have someone else that can play first base. I guess because he had, has had such a good playoffs, but that seems like a really so, subjective you, thing. Uh, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. I mean, it's not like he... Like, if you're going to suspend him, make a freaking statement and say racially instigated, you know, gestures are not going to be allowed. So much so that you're done for the rest of the World Series. Go have a nice day in the golf course. (laughs) But now it's like, oh, if I do it and I'm a good player, I'm just going to get suspended when it doesn't matter. Like, he's setting a really ridiculous precedent here. I don't, I didn't understand it at all. Like so. I'm more mad about it now than I was before I knew that because that's stupid. Yeah, it was weird. I didn't understand it. The whole thing was weird, and I don't understand really any of it. But why he had to do that, and then why he got suspended for next year and not even if it was just a game in the World Series, like that's that's pretty substantial. But yeah, exactly. Like <sighs> I don't get it. So anyways, I mean, outside of that, it was a great series, two good teams. Um, oh, and before we, before we move on, um, Carlos Correa, did you see what he did after the game? Yeah, yeah the one like legit proposal at a sporting event. But, but yeah, he proposed to his girlfriend, right? And she said yes. Well. What a day. What a day. She, she had to be pretty, pretty gutsy to say no. <laughs> well, he's I don't think he's stupid in that regard. But I mean, you win your first World Series, you win your franchise's first World Series, and you propose to your girlfriend and she says yes. That's uh, you know, that's just like it's a pretty average Wednesday in my world. And then you have the, you know, the Houston still recovering from the hurricane. Still a good story. Um yeah, they would not let that go the uh, broadcasters would they? <laughs> Because because people in Houston were incapable of recovering from the the storm without the Astros winning, they were their well, only source. They were the only narrative. source for hope. It's narrative. in the world. It's it's ridiculous. 
Like, yeah, does it help a certain part of the population feel better about life that their baseball team won the World Series? Yeah, sure. But that doesn't fix their broken house. It doesn't remove the damage. It doesn't remove, like, the months and years it's going to take for that whole region, not just the city of Houston, but that entire region of the country to recover. Yeah. So I just, I get I get annoyed when the media piggybacks on shoving what they're presenting you down your throat with the help of, oh, look, you know, let's take advantage of this tragedy and use it to, you know, it's like, no, it's just, it's baseball, guys. And people like baseball, but that Houston winning the World Series doesn't make everything better for the people in that region, mm-hmm. you know? And some of the players had a good point. They're like, hey, if for three hours we can help you, like, just escape for a bit, then great. Like, that I get. That's perfect. That's great. They realize it's only for a few hours. It's not going to remove the damage. It's not going to remove the pain. It's not going to solve your problems. But if we can, for a few hours, just entertain you and give you something to be happy about in the midst of all the tragedy, then Mm -hmm. fine. But then the media comes in and it's just like, oh, just shut up. Talk about the baseball game. Sorry, I have opinions on these things. You're so angry. Well, because it's stupid. It really is. Well, on the other end, you got, there's, I mean, <clears throat> there's a few Puerto Ricans um, on the Astros. So Correa, Beltran, and then their bench coach, Alex Cora. So, I mean, I feel, I mean, that's, that was probably a more, and still is, a, a more dire situation where a lot of. Well, it's a, because they're surrounded by, by big water. Big water, yeah. Ocean water. Big, big water. Big, big, big water. But, I mean, there's so, there's so a lot more so presidential, a lot more poverty, and you know, it's tough stuff still going on there. I'm so I'm sure I'm sure they it's, know people and have family. So, absolutely, Cora lives there in the off season. Mm-hmm. So he's also the new manager of the Red Sox. Good for him. And also, Dombrowski hired on Tony Larusa to be his like assistant. I thought that was weird. Mm, that is interesting. I did not know that. Dombrowski's getting desperate, I guess. I don't know. So, yeah, great World Series. The Dodgers, I think both those teams are going to be around at least for a few years. So it was pretty cool. The World um, Sports Illustrated put out a cover three years ago predicting that the Astros would be be the 2017 World Series champs because they had the top farm system in baseball. So that's why prospect coverage is important, Cam. Oh, I'm not denying it. Not denying it. There's just a whole lot of them. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. And George Springer was on the cover of that. So he ends up being the World Series MVP. So pretty uh, pretty crazy uh, foreshadowing there. But I'm sure they get it wrong much more often than they get it right. But they at least get to brag on themselves a little bit. So, so now the fun begins for all the other teams that aren't aren't as good, which is... You know, most of the other teams that didn't make the World Series. So the off season is upon us. We've got our the awards are coming out in the next few weeks here, and then we start. Uh, we'll start seeing some free agency signings. Um, one of which that came down. I guess this was because he resigned, but I saw that Justin Upton uh, is gonna be with the Angels for five more years. So he, oh he, mu- he must have enjoyed his month. How there. do they have money? All it's all tied up in Albert Pools and Mike Trout, isn't it? 
Oh, they're from LA. They're doing fine. So yeah, we had... is making more than half the teams in the league. <laughs> and he's he's a proud he's Mendoza like re- and he's a proud Mendoza recipient. Indeed. So we Send uh, some of the cash this way, Albert. Yeah, we um I guess yeah, that unofficially wraps up our second season of the Mendoza line. We had probably do a December uh, episode again like we did last year to cover uh, the winter meetings and some of the big happenings of the all season. Uh, before we transition to year three, so I'm excited. Indeed, I can't believe it's over. I know it was it was a crazy year, personally as, as, and yeah, yeah, baseball as well. So, well, and as someone who uh, you know whines about how long the baseball season is, uh, I will say it did go very quickly. It's because you're you're starting to really enjoy it. I've never not liked it. It's just. <laughs> It's just, it's a ridiculous number of games. That's all. We've gone over this like 95 times. We don't have to rehash <laughs> it right now. <laughs> Everyone knows where I stand. They know where you stand. But you, you're, good. I see, it seems like you're admitting that it's maybe not as quite as long as it used to be. That's all I'm saying. No, I'm just saying time goes by faster as you get older. That's all I'm saying. Very true. Anyways. Well, it's been a pleasure. It has. Season two in the books. We will be back, like Nick said, in December at some point to go over all of the off-season shenanigans that have happened. Um, I'm not getting my hopes up for the Tigers at all. There's a reason they have the first overall pick. Cause probably wise. Terrible. But anyways, uh, great World Series, great postseason. Nick, it's always a pleasure, man. And uh, I guess we'll We'll have another episode for our listeners in uh, December sometime. Sounds great. All right. Until then, guys and gals, bye-bye. Take care.